dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We prayed earlier that among the many changes of this world, may our hearts be fixed where true joys are found. To be sure, there are many changes in this world that affect us every single day. Changes to your health or the health of a family member can turn your life upside down. Changes made by our government or to our government often have a profound influence on our lives. The loss of a job or a divorce or unexpected expenses can make us concerned about the future. Moving to a new and strange place where you have to figure out where everything you need is, make new friends and find a new church is never easy and is often quite difficult. And how many other changes could you add to the list? Changes which, as that prayer suggests, can rob us of the joy of our Lord and the joy of life that he has given us. But among the many changes of this world that affect us, there is one change above all the others that is most difficult to bear. And that is death. The death of a parent, the death of a spouse, the death of a child, the death of a good friend. Or even death on a massive scale like we see with earthquakes or terrorism. All those other changes I mentioned earlier are certainly difficult, but at least can be dealt with in time. But death is final. Death robs us of the companionship and community that God has given to us and blessed us with. Death is not just a part of life as some would have us think today. Because death was never a plan uh, a part of God's plan for us. Rather, it was an intrusion into the life that he has given us. The intrusion of sin. Because death is sin made visible and tangible. Sin doesn't just result in a bruised ego or a bruised arm, but with a body and a casket. It is the antithesis of God's let there be. And there was. And so we shouldn't be comfortable with death. We should hate it. And the truth is, no matter how prepared you think you are for death, we never really are. Among the many changes of this world, the disciples had experienced many changes. Following Jesus for three years, they had seen things they'd never dreamed of. Things that were wonderful, things that were challenging, and confusing all at the same time. They had left homes and jobs and families and entered upon a new life. But there was now one more change they would face. The one above all others most difficult to bear. Death. The death of their Lord and Master, Jesus. It would be a difficult time. Jesus had told them that this day was coming, but the crucifixion, Seeing Jesus hung on the wood of a criminal's cross would shake them to the core. For this was not just the death of a man or a friend, but the death of the one who taught with an authority that was never heard before, who healed diseases, who expelled demons, who cleansed lepers, who forgave sin, who raised the dead, whom Peter had confessed as the Christ, the Son of the living God. To see this Jesus die 
would be far more than the grief of death. This was the end. The line across the page of their story. What more was left for them now? Nothing. Jesus' death is their death. That Jesus knew. And so in the words of our gospel that we heard earlier from John, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about this change. And he's speaking this to them to prepare them. For soon he will be taken from them, arrested, convicted, and crucified. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. They don't understand what he's talking about. They would not see him. They would see him. But if we still, if we see him, how can, we, how can he be going away? If Jesus is going away, how can we see him? It must be one or the other, but it can't be both, right? How can it be both? Their minds were swimming. For their minds did not yet have room for the destruction of death and the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus would bruise the serpent's head with his heel. It would take the work of the Holy Spirit to help them understand. When the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus said, he will guide you into all the truth. Until then, they would see the empty tomb and wonder and doubt and disbelief. Death, that they knew. But could they know life? That's what we need to know. The disciples, you, me, all people. Death, we know. Death is our reality. Death is all around us. People die, animals die, computers die, cars die, friendships die, marriages die. And you can do death by yourself. But life is quite different. You can't give yourself life. Life is a gift. Life comes only from another life. A woman, Jesus says, gives birth to a child, giving life to another. And in that, there's pain and anguish of division, of separation. But then, the joy of life. So, too, it will be with Jesus. The pain and anguish of the division and separation of Good Friday will give way to the joy of new life on Easter. Jesus will be the firstborn from the dead, that from his life we would receive that gift of life. For life is only from and so from Jesus' life comes our life. And no ordinary life, but rather a life that will never end. And so Jesus must first go away and be seen no more. There will be pain and anguish, the division and separation of the cross. But then they'll see him again in the life and the joy of the resurrection. And while the first will seem too much to bear, it's the second that will bring a joy that's even greater. Death will have its day for all of us. But the life that we receive from Jesus is a life that will last forever. And that's really what we need to learn. The disciples, you, me, and all people. We need to learn how to live. How to live this life. Which sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? For doesn't life and living just come naturally to us? Well, no. Just as we need to teach our children how to live, so we too need to learn how to live this life. This life 
in Christ. To stop looking for life and things that die and learn how to be born anew each day into the life of Christ. To realize that baptized into Christ, you are, as God told Peter, no longer common, but clean. You may look common, average, like everybody else out there in the world, working for a living, trying your best. But baptized into Christ, you are not common. You are a child of God, a treasured child, a loved child. No matter who you were or what you were, now you are different. For the Holy Spirit fell on you in those waters of baptism. Your sin was forgiven in those waters. You were given a new life in those waters. How can anyone given such gifts and adopted by God be common anymore? Or live common anymore? That's what God was teaching Peter in the reading from Acts that we heard. Can Gentiles become Christians? Can the dirty become clean? Can outcasts become children of God? Can something old become new? If we look at them and what they are, if we look at ourselves and who we are, who knows what answer we can come up with. But if we look at the cross and the empty tomb and the power and love of God, then there will be no doubt. Yes, Gentiles. Yes, the dirty. Yes, the outcasts. Yes, the sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. Yes, the heathens. And yes, even people like you and me. For look not at the sinner, but at the one who came down from heaven to make all things new and clean. Is there any sin greater than the cross of Christ? Is there any death greater than his resurrection? Absolutely not. And so this new life is for all people. The life of Christ. Life in Christ. And so yes, to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And so also to you and me. Whatever death you are facing in your life right now, it cannot win. It will not win. It's already been defeated. And so for us, in Christ, there is life. The life of forgiveness, not of grudges or anger. The life of love, not of hatred or revenge. The life of joy and peace, not of worry and anxiety. Can we live this life? Can we know this life? That our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found? That almost sounds too good to be true, right? But it is true. As true as the empty tomb. And this life is yours. It's yours not because you've done it, but because the life of Christ and his life, death, and resurrection is given to you. Given by the Spirit, whom Jesus had promised to send and who would, as Jesus said, take what is mine and declare it to you. Which means when the words of Jesus are declared to you, the Spirit gives you what they say. They're not just words. They're not empty words, but words filled with spirit and life. You are filled with him. He is alive in you. 
that your sorrow would be turned to joy, a joy that no one can take away from you. God's word does what it says. So when it says you're forgiven, you are forgiven without a doubt. When it says you're a child of God, you don't have to worry or wonder about it. It's true. God's word does what it says. The Spirit has given you ears to hear and eyes to see. Not to live a life that ends in death, but to live a life that even death can't end. Again, can we live such a life? Can we know such a life? Your feelings will tell you that death has won when your life seems to be falling apart around you. You may think that death is going to win when your own body begins to fail and, and have problems. But it's not so. These are only the birth pains to a new life. A new life that you have even now. And live even now. Jesus has turned the page to a new life. It is done, he said. It is finished. Jesus' death is our death. For he died for our sin. And now his life is our life. He has made all things new. Even you. Even now. And that good news gives us a joy. A joy that no one or no thing can take away. 